Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. You can do it. The penetration. Taken away by Higgins. Williams lobs it up. Oh! The slam. Jordan Bowden on a rock attack. Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. Ones. Williams draws the double, hesitates. Extra feed. Oh, look out! That's a man's jam! Admiral Schofield! Hey! I love you! What? Nothing! Second night! Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Perhaps the latest we've ever recorded a Go Vols 24-7 podcast time. Good, good week for Tennessee basketball time, by the way, time. Whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey, coming to you not from Fort Rucker Studio, necessarily. More like, uh, what do you call this? Is this the, the, the moon room at this point, Grant? Satellite office. Well, because... You know, you've that's true. The overcast room. Yeah, you you've said that it's the overcast room when the sun's not shining. What about when the when it's dark? It's by the light of the moon room. We are recording this at nine thirty eight p.m. on a Saturday. Why are we doing that, by the way? Well, in case you missed it, and judging by the attendance figures at Thompson Bowling, you probably did not miss it. Uh, Tennessee back from the dead, risen like Lazarus. The seventh ranked Vols probably back into the top five next week. I would imagine now back toward that number one NCAA tournament seed line after a 71-52 thumping of the Kentucky Wildcats. They're in the Tommy Bowl. Uh, The Vols, despite, uh, again, attempting or making... Let me see if I can get this stat right. It's late. Uh, Kentucky attempted 29 free throws, Tennessee 14, despite Tennessee outscoring Kentucky 28-10 in the paint. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Bottom line is, despite all that, Tennessee just absolutely opened a can on the Wildcats. Uh, I, I would say exercising those demons from Rupp Arena a couple weeks ago. Now, as our friends across the pond would say, uh, it's 1-1 in the series, and uh, Tennessee has a, a two-goal lead on aggregate right now. So the, Sadly, I added that up uh, at some point this evening. You added 19-17? I added up the aggregate. I'm sad to admit. Did you put it on paper or something? Because that would be even better. No, I did not. Did you use the... It's just in that stupid brain of mine. Did you use a calculator? No, I didn't have to because it was such a, a close, I guess, opposite score line from the first one. Yeah. One, one, one by 17, one, one by 19. Yeah, in a really interesting game in so many ways, and, and we've got time to discuss it, and to discuss it we will, but bottom line is Tennessee outscores... Uh, Kentucky 37-24 to 24 in the first half does not really let up in the second half despite not attempting a single free throw. Again, more on that later. But right now, uh, that was more than enough. Tennessee just absolutely thumps them, the big blue. Here's what's interesting to me. Grant, there's so many interesting stats from this game. You know, basketball, like most sports, is kind of a statistical-based game. You can look at a box score a lot of times and you can know kind of the flow of a game or the story of a game without even ever having seen it, really, uh, in some cases. And in this case, I think you can look at this pretty quickly and you can say Tennessee, um, despite getting 
let's see here, how many guys scored? This is a team that normally has, routinely has like eight, nine, sometimes even ten scores in a game. Uh, Tennessee had one, two, three, four, five players score in this game, but you don't need a lot from other guys when you get 27, a career-high 27 from Jordan Bone and a big-time performance by Grant Williams also with 24 points, seven rebounds. Aside from that, you had Bowden with nine, Schofield with seven, Turner with six. That was all the scoring for Tennessee in this game. However, uh, Kentucky had another interesting stat here. Kentucky had one guy, one guy who made more than two shots in that game. The Cats were 14 of 44 from the field, which is 31.8%, and those 14 field goals are the fewest allowed, uh, I believe, or the fewest that a John Calipari team's ever had at Kentucky the entire time he's been there. So, And I wondered when was the last time that Kentucky had shot that low percentage in a game. Actually, not that far back. Last season... Uh, against Missouri, ten, Kentucky actually shot a slightly less, per, you know, lower percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, uh, this was basically the, this was the Tennessee defense that we saw a little bit against Ole Miss. That's a really high-scoring team there that puts up a lot of shots and makes a lot of tough shots. And you're in their home gym, and you're in their home gym, and we saw some signs of that Tennessee defense starting to emerge a little bit. Uh, and right now. Uh, that Tennessee defense looked like it's back. Balls are all the way back up to 31st nationally in adjusted defensive deficiency, and we've said before, said it again, teams that win a national championship are almost always top 30 and usually top 20 in both. And right now Tennessee is number three in offense, number 31 in defense. So, Grant, your thoughts on an interesting day at Thompson Bowling Arena? It's a it's a Tennessee team that after the last two weeks, I, I don't think their confidence was lacking, but they could use a pick-me-up. I think they could have used a really good performance. Yes. And watching that defense, their offense didn't do the things that their offense has done all season, which is share the ball, be balanced, all that stuff. It's really crazy to see to look down and see nine for Bowden, seven for Admiral, four for Lamonte, and that's it. Outside of the colossal, you know, the 27 from Bone and the 24 from Grant. But watching that defense, it felt like you're watching the defense from last season, the defense that just absolutely uh, possession by possession tried to build a wall between you and the bucket and stop you. Uh, The fact that Tennessee had 15 assists and Kentucky had 14 made field goals, uh, that's hard to wrap your brain around. Uh, The the stat that you mentioned, only one player for Kentucky had more than two made field goals, and it was Emmanuel Quickly. That wouldn't have been the first name on that draft board. No, of all people, that would probably be one of the last names uh, on the draft board. But from start to finish, I mean, just from the atmosphere at Thompson Bowling to uh, the prospects they had in the building to the way they played the game uh, to the way they uh, they built a lead, they suffocated Kentucky defensively, uh, and they stretched the lead, and they just never really gave it up. I mean, it's hard to draw up uh, a better day uh, for the Tennessee basketball program from start to finish. And perhaps a microcosm of the day was when early in the game, uh, Kentucky freshman – Tyler Hero hit a, a pretty decent shot, you know, a, a, a nice little jumper, and ran down the court saying, I think about Schofield, he can't guard me, he can't guard me, just screaming it out loud. And then Hero made one of his final 10 shot, shots from the field. And, so. and he, Hero's coming off 29 against Arkansas, and yeah. he, like, rallied to beat the – they were down 15 in the second half. He basically rallied his team to win that game because that was another game P.J. Washington was pretty quiet. So I understand the confidence, but – uh, what Tennessee did defensively, you you got to think if if they can be a fraction of that uh, when it matters in March, they're going to be a really good basketball team because they can score points. They can find the guys who can do it because it felt like a blend of this season's team and last season teams, how they 
uh, defended in that game and also how they had a really good Grant Williams and a uh, historic Jordan Bone. I mean, that, the, what that guy did, no turnovers, 11-15 from the field, 5-5 five of five from three. He, he scored 27, and he didn't shoot a free throw. Uh, that guy, he didn't turn it over. I mean, he, he was the best player on the floor, hands down. Yeah, and, it, you know, this will show how intelligent we are. We, we sat there right there where we are in the, the press area before the game started, and we were talking and said, and I, I think we both agreed that uh, Tennessee was going to need Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden to, to make some shots in that game. And, you know, I, I think the conversation went something like you saying, Tennessee needs Bowden to hit some shots today. And I said, yeah, between Bowden and Turner, they're going to need to get, I think, probably 25 points from those two to win this game. Uh, and you said, yeah, like Bowden's going to need to score unless, you know, Turner goes bonkers and scores like 25 Nowhere in that conversation did we say that, uh, by the way, if Jordan Bone scores 27, they're probably going to be okay because you just don't really go into a game thinking you're going to get 27 uh, from Jordan Bone. But but I'll tell you this, Tennessee needed all that because you – let me see if I can do the math in my head really quickly. Uh, between Turner, Schofield, and Bowden, they were, let's see here, 9 of 31 from the field between those three. If you had told me going into the game, those three guys go 9 for 31, I'm telling you Tennessee loses. And I probably would have gone – I'm not a betting person, not because I'm against it for any ethical reasons. I just, just don't really do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm too lazy to do it. But uh, I, I would have put a mortgage payment on that, <laughs> on, not, right, yeah. on saying if, if those three guys go 9 of 31, Tennessee's losing this game. Uh, because you know that that historically Grant's had trouble with P.J. Washington uh, and that occasionally he's had some really good games against Kentucky and also some really some really tough ones. And, you know, Schofield's kind of at times been the matchup problem for Kentucky at times in his career uh, because Kentucky's never really had the kind of guy – most teams don't have a guy who can, you know, kind of keep with him athletically, physically, quickness-wise. He's just a hard – he's a hard cover. He's a hard guard uh, to match up with for most college people on the perimeter. At the NBA level, you know, that, that's that's – Different story. That's a different story. But at the college level, you just don't see a lot of guys like that. And so that was, I thought, the matchup Tennessee maybe could exploit in this game. But I'll tell you, Grant Williams went out there, and, and we do need to mention that that one of Kentucky's most important post players did not play in this game. And he was a guy brought to Kentucky as a graduate transfer specifically for games like Tennessee to give Kentucky a bigger, older, stronger body who could bang and avoid, you know, having those kind of long, lean big men they have kind of get get beat up by. Avoid what happened Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And, and you saw, again, without him, Tennessee did to Kentucky what it did a couple times last year um, and, and just kind of physically had their way with them, going 28-10 in the paint, not even close. But I think uh, there's still a week left in the season, but I'm, I'm not going to – I don't think I'm going to call it now, but I'm pretty sure Grant Williams might have just won SEC Player of the Year again – that was a big-time matchup, national television, the two top contenders. With apologies to, to Waters, and, and he's, a, he's a good player too. And, and you know, uh, Brian at Ole Miss is a good player. There, there's a bunch of good players in this league, but I think we all know that it's probably it's a, it's a probably race. a two-horse race. And in that two-horse race, uh, Tennessee's horse just whooped up on P.J. Washington, who got in foul trouble in the first half, finished with 13 points and three rebounds. Uh, Grant Williams had 24 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 32 minutes. And, and Washington ended up playing 30 minutes. So, hey, that's not like he didn't get so minutes. basically he didn't come out in the second half. He only played 10 in the first half. Yeah, they uh, kept him on the, the floor. After the foul trouble. And, and so, and Washington also had four turnovers, where Tennessee as a team had five. I, I mean, that that was – Bone, in many ways, is the story, and we'll get to that in a second. 
But I think we need to mention as Crime Dog starts his barking again. What's up, Crime Dog? Can't wait till we go back to the welcome to, to the pod. upstairs to the studio. But right now, uh, we are dealing with what we're dealing with. And I think if you look at this, uh, Grant Williams probably just won SEC Player of the Year again. Um, I, I know that. Listen, there's a week to go in the season, and crazy right. things could happen. But um, I and I don't like to you know send in votes or anything like when that. When do they until vote? The I don't remember. I think it's after the regular season, before the tournament, maybe. If so, that that works. I think Grant was fortunate to get the home game, uh, the second home game, I guess, the last home game. Uh, usually, the last I guess three years, Tennessee's played Kentucky in early January at home. Yeah, uh, and I guess the SEC saw kind of tried to set it up for the dramatics last year after Tennessee had a good year to do Kentucky-Tennessee in March again, early March. I think uh, Grant's lucky to get that home game uh, because it's so much energy and momentum. I mean, you could see the differences between the two teams at Rupp versus Thompson Bowling. Yep. Uh, and it looks like P.J., after after you left Lexington two weeks ago, it was like P.J.'s got this award wrapped up because he had scored like 20-plus. Yeah, because he had a sluggish start to the season a little bit and then just right. really caught he fire. He turned into a different player. He had like uh, three straight double-doubles at one point. He had like 20 points in, in something like eight of ten games. Uh, and he's had a quiet night against Arkansas, which is pretty inexcusable at home on a Tuesday night against a bad Arkansas team. I mean, it's not easy being matched up against Daniel Gafford, but if you want to be an NBA player, uh, you better be better in those situations because uh, they're going to have the athletes against you. And and you look today, I mean, he had 13 points. He, he only had six shots from the field. What did we talk about when we left Lexington? Grant only had four shots from the field. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with Travis Reed. Uh, but – what you what Grant has done for his team, he should have carried his team to a win at LSU because he kept making those shots late, crazy shots when he's spinning yeah. in the paint and going off the glass and scoring over taller defenders. He won the game for them at Ole Miss with what he did late in the game when, when they went to him, uh, and he helped carry them today. I mean, Jordan Bone was the guy that gets all the praise, but Grant did the, you know, he did the dirty work. They had 14 free throw attempts. He had 11 of them. Also had the dime of the day. Uh, by the yeah. way, you know Grant has a fun. Grant Williams has a funny way of occasionally showing parts of his game are more impressive than people think. And when he's kind of picking up a loose ball, ripping it out of there, starting a fast break, and then from I think beyond the three point line, right, way beyond, like the Summit logo, yeah, just lobbing just a perfect lob up for Bowden who can jump out of the the gym, and he goes up and flushes it and makes Thompson bowling maybe the loudest I've heard it. Uh, since maybe Dame Bradshaw made that shot to beat Florida. I'm, I'm going back a ways, but I'm trying to think of the last time I heard it go that nuts uh, in a game. And, and it, it was the lid came off the place at that point. And uh, Grant Williams has has made some plays like that. He made that ridiculous fallaway jumper down the baseline. Then again, you know, if Tennessee misses a couple shots here and there in the second half. Or if Kentucky just yeah, hits shots. You know, Kentucky got that thing down to about 13 or so a couple times, 12, and, and it looked like they were kind of starting to get a little bit of momentum. And then every time Tennessee just kind of stepped on their throat again and, and made a couple tough shots to do it. I mean, you know, Bone hit just a ridiculous three-pointer there late, um, a couple of them in the second half actually, that he just kind of pulled up and was like YOLO, and they went in, which when you're feeling it, hey, I don't think Rick Barnes is going to get too mad at him for that. But when you look at the way Williams has kind of carried this team at times, I, I think that award, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be the repeat winner of, of that award now, uh, even if Tennessee doesn't win the league, which, again, Tennessee, fun fact, you know, if Tennessee and LSU both went out, LSU's the number one seed in the tournament, but Tennessee, again, because of the SEC's rules, right. is for a second year in a row also considered an SEC right. champion. Splitting dis- it. Despite losing the tiebreaker for that number one spot. So, 
uh, that would be interesting. I don't know if the SEC's ever had back-to-back champions uh, I was that, actually just that were not a top seed in the tournament. trying to figure out uh, all the tiebreaker scenarios, uh, and it, it killed me. Yeah, because now, because because if Tennessee Hashtag loses, math. if Tennessee loses to Kentucky, that makes the tiebreakers a little bit easier in some ways. But but now that Tennessee has beaten Kentucky, now like what if LSU loses at Florida in the midweek, and I guess Tennessee would have to lose then too, right? Yeah, because to get yeah, back to the three team. Yeah, if, if if for some reason, and and it would have to be now, LSU would have to lose twice, or no, LSU would have to lose in Kentucky. I I just don't. LSU's not losing twice this week. I don't no. think. They play Vanderbilt. I mean, on Saturday at right? home. At home, also zero uh, and sixteen in the SEC. Which I know LSU has occasionally played down to its level of competition, but when they have a maybe a, a number one seed in the tournament on the line, um, that's going to be that, that's a, a, you think they're going to take care of Vanderbilt. But the, again, they got to go to Florida, and and Florida is a team that just beat them in Baton Rouge, and you know Florida's got they, Florida's got just enough pieces to kind of scare you. This, I mean, you suddenly know? Florida's fourth in the league. Yeah, I looked at uh, I pulled up the standings like an hour ago and it was like wait where did florida come from yeah then because mississippi state's kind of come down a little right. bit they and lost to auburn Ole miss did they lose today i can't remember uh maybe i don't know but yeah suddenly that's a good question suddenly florida is kind of average but they're fourth in the league and they'll they're kind of comfortably uh in all the tournament uh projections but they'll still want to beat lsu at home to feel really really good about regardless it. i think if you're a tennessee fan or a kentucky fan you want tennessee uh one or three and kentucky one or three so they meet on sunday yes in the sec tournament and not saturday because it's already going to be uh an absolute uh the ticket market is going to be insane for those two teams in nashville because lsu is probably you assume they're not going to travel that well even though the season they're having and then the whatever the other semifinalist is it's like meh right and how traditionally i mean it feels like the big blue invitational every year uh, at the sec tournament and now it's a year where tennessee's fighting for i mean they're talking about a a number one seed again at this point jerry palm put them back at the number one seed uh gary parish did too after they won saturday uh that's going to be crazy and hopefully hopefully it's sunday that they meet and not saturday because that's i mean that's what a lot of the talk post game was it was so one-sided in lexington here it's so one-sided in knoxville uh, imagine what it would be like a third game in a new on a neutral court yeah and, and here's here's what i took away as the story of saturday's game i i think we have a tendency in this culture uh, this modern culture that we've got here and i don't know if it's social media that's done it or if it's just the abundance of television channels that have done it or or what's done it maybe just the saturation of media in general but there is just such a need for for hot takes that people buried this Tennessee team long before they should have. I, I never understood that because when you looked at it, Tennessee got blown out once, and other than that, had two losses against top 15 teams on the road or on neutral courts in overtime. That was it. And now Tennessee's taken that one blowout loss, avenged it, and then some, plus two points. And now you're talking about a team that, oh, wait, hey, these guys are still 26-3 and three and don't have a really bad loss on here. So I, I never understood why, especially, you know, we'll see what's going on with Zion and all that going forward, uh, how healthy he is. You know, I, I think Reed Travis's situation with his knee will be interesting to watch with Kentucky because I think, you know, Reed Travis makes them a different team when he's in there. And even when he comes back. How long does it take him to get to be his normal yeah. self? And, and if that knee is really good to go. Because, it's not, it's uh, not automatic when you come back. 
that you're the guy you're when you left. Oh yeah, and, and even if you only miss a few weeks, I mean that in basketball with as much as they run, I mean that it takes you a, a long, long time to get that conditioning back. In some cases, at least a few games, and in the NCAA tournament, you don't have the benefit of of having a couple of games to get there. You you need to be there then, or you could go out of the game. So I, I think there's a lot to to consider there. And the bottom line is, I think people buried this this team way, way, way too soon. And this team is still there, and this team is going to be a factor going forward in the championship race. This team is still one of the best teams in college basketball. A couple of one bad game and one eh game does not change that. And, and I never I, – I guess, you know, we have to – you know, we do these stock reports on teams going up and down. And did they peak too soon? Are they peaking at the right time? And we look at this – we look at this just – way just from every angle imaginable is what I'm trying to say but the bottom line is if you're if you're looking at this Tennessee team and you're scouting this Tennessee team imagine being a coach going into the the postseason and you've got to play this team I don't care who you are you're not going to be comfortable you're not going to feel great about that this team still has plenty of options who can give you plenty of trouble offensively now that team's starting to play better defensively it has one of the best players in college basketball it has one of the better duos in college basketball it's got one of the best point guards in college basketball this is an elite team at least in in relation to the field this season you know i mean you, you can't ever say like what would it be like in a different game different year we don't really know that but what we do know is that in this current field against the teams they can play against it's an elite team and I don't think that's changed all season. And and you don't know what you're going to get uh, when you play them. You don't know if it's going to be uh, the Tennessee team that went to A&M and South Carolina in the same week and put up 92 and 93. Yeah. Uh, or the team that held Georgia to like 45 points and Kentucky 52 points and uh, Vanderbilt 48 points. I mean, they've shown they can be elite defensively uh, when they want to or – I don't know if it's when they want to or just kind of when it all clicks. Uh, They can they can be elite offensively as they've been uh, most of the season, and you don't know if it's going to be a Jordan Bone going off for twenty seven, or Grant Admiral combining for fifty like they've done a lot this year, or Jordan Bowden or Kyle Alexander's had his double doubles earlier in the season. You just don't know what team you're going to get because they've shown. Or will Lamonte go out there and drop a thirty spot on you? Who knows? I mean, Lamonte. He he was what four points today, two for ten from the field, zero for four from three, uh, and they won comfortably. I mean that that tells you about what kind of did have six assists and only one turnover though. That that uh, that somebody asked me today uh, was Lamonte sick? Did he have six assists? Was was he not feeling well? Yeah, well, he, did he really pass the ball that that much? Wow, maybe, that's... maybe it was his flu game. I'll tell you the the most surprising thing for this entire week of Tennessee basketball for me was Lamonte Turner going out there and putting up, I think, nine or 11 consecutive points nine. in the second half against... During that 14 at, yeah, run. Yeah, at Ole Miss. And then he just kind of stopped shooting. And I thought, what planet are we living on now? Because the Lamonte Turner I know, when he goes out there and puts up about nine, ten points in a row, you're getting a few heat checks coming after yeah, that. His middle name is heat check. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that just wasn't the case today. Whereas today, Bone was the guy taking a couple heat checks and just played an unbelievable basketball game. But, you know, not everything went swimmingly for, for Tennessee in this game. Uh, I will say, uh, I, I think some underrated minutes today were Derek Walker's. I think he came in there in the first half, especially. Gave Tennessee a couple of really good rotations. Played about four or five solid minutes there. Didn't give up a lot. Got a couple of big rebounds. But the reason he had to do that was because, again, 
again. Kyle Alexander fouls out of a basketball game, this time in 12 minutes. And I don't know. At this point, here, here's what really confuses me. Kyle Alexander's possibly the nicest kid on planet Earth, and he's not really what I would call an ultra-aggressive basketball player. But for some reason in the past four, five, six weeks, I, have, I don't know that I've ever seen a stretch where a player has had more really, really bad calls made against him. And I know Rick Barnes has made a fuss about this to the SEC office, but nothing changes. I mean, there were, t- there were two times in that game, two times, where Kyle Alexander went straight up at a 90-degree angle for a rebound and got called for a foul. Didn't go on anybody's back, didn't push anybody, just went up and got a rebound or fought for a rebound and got called for a foul. And I don't, regardless of what you saw today, Tennessee needs this guy. And I can't figure out – I know a couple of those fouls were legitimate fouls on him today. I'd say two were fair calls, one was nah, and two were terrible. And, Grant, can you, can you get a, a feel for this? Because this has been one – maybe the most bizarre subplot of the season for me is toward the end of his career, Kyle Alexander, who never really has been in foul trouble in his career, now suddenly lives in it. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, and he tried to explain it. I can't remember what game it was. I guess it's been a couple, maybe three weeks ago at this point, where he was saying, if I try to do too much, I get in foul trouble. If I don't do enough, I'm not aggressive enough, and I'm not uh, making a difference in the game. And, and it's like he was trying to walk that fine line. And and right now it just seems like there's no benefit of the whistle. If he's getting a whistle, it's going against him. And I don't I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think it's just... Uh, game by game uh, scenario where he's just not getting calls, and and I think at he's, the, the, he's the most violent Canadian ever. <laughs> at the same time, I think his confidence is uh, shaky at sure. best. Well, I, think, I don't I don't know why it wouldn't be at this point. No, it's uh, it's 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 something that needs to be fixed. Uh, they can, I think they can survive without him this time around, like they couldn't last year against Loyola. Uh, but at the same time, you need him. Even if it's just 12 minutes, uh, you need him. Even if he – I mean, he didn't even have a field goal attempt today. Uh, he had one free throw attempt. He missed it. He had six rebounds. That's big. Uh, you need him. He yeah. ch- he's your rim protector. He changes defenses – or he changes the way offenses approach, you know, drives to the rim, changes shots. But if, if you can't stay out of foul trouble, you better find a way to get by without him. Yeah, because there's, there's different kinds of guys and different kinds of personalities. I mean, Grant Williams is is probably on the upper end of, of the unflappability scale, whereas if he misses a couple shots, that's not really going to affect him. The worst thing he'll ever do is clap his hands. If, if he, You know, today he missed a couple free throws in the first half, and he just kind of clapped his hands together in frustration. That's about all you're going to see out of him. He's going to Very keep, emotional person. Yeah, and, and then you've got guys like uh, Schofield and Turner who, if they miss a few shots – they're not going to get timid. They're going to keep shooting the ball, but they are going to think they have to shoot their way out of it, and they're going to be way too aggressive. Press too much. They're going to press really hard when they're in that kind of situation because that's just how they are. And then you've got your Bowdens and your Alexanders who, if they miss a couple shots, they get the yips pretty quick, and they just don't like shooting the ball as much. Bowden, in fairness, has started getting out of that a little bit because he made a huge shot in that game at Ole Miss. He still should have taken the three. He shouldn't put the ball on the floor and gone down for a mid-range in that situation. But he did, and it worked out, and he made a 
you know, he turned down an open three for a tough two, but he, uh, but he made the shot, which was important. And it, you know, I wonder if that game had gotten to a point where it was so do or die that he couldn't think he just had to do it. Uh, but that was, that was good to see from him there. And then in this game today, again, he missed a couple shots. You know, he had a couple really good looks in the first half, didn't make them, and then made that one that he just absolutely needed. And uh, he's, so he's, he's starting to shoot himself out of these things in a way he never did before. But you have bottom line is you have different kinds of guys. And Kyle is the kind of guy who I, I don't think people, – people get the – I don't want to say sensitive because that, that's too harsh – but it, it might be the best word because he's just he cares so much about this team, about the these guys. I mean, he, he went in there and spent God knows how many hours making a highlight video for was it Admiral for his birthday right, right. for his birthday one year. I mean, he just you know he cares. He's invested. He's worked as hard as anybody on that team, and he wants the team to succeed. And he doesn't care what he does to do it. He doesn't care if he doesn't score. He he just wants to win. But he wants to help, and he knows he can help. So when things go bad, he he kind of gets in those feels a little bit. Even if he doesn't show it mm-hmm. with his face, you can just kind of tell. He's a little timid. He's got some yips. They need him out of this, and, and I don't know what it's going to take because, you know, I got bad news for you. Tennessee's schedule of the three SEC title contenders right now, Tennessee's got the toughest schedule in the next week probably, I would imagine. Uh, Tennessee's got to go – play Mississippi State at home and then got at Auburn. Both of those games are winnable games, but both of those games are also, especially the Auburn game at, at Auburn, that's a tough place to go play. Those are losable games. And so Tennessee's not going to really have any kind of get Kyle his confidence back game. No. You know, that, that that's, not where ten, that's not where this thing is right now. Because if you get a double buy in the tournament, that's great. But that means by the time someone gets to you, you're probably getting a pretty decent team. So maybe a first-run NCAA tournament game, he can do that? I I, I don't know. But – they they need him back badly. And it looked like he tweaked something going for a rebound in that game too. So he's had the flu in the past week. I mean, poor guy's been through the ringer. But uh, I, I think part of this, what makes it so inexplicable, is he's just gotten so many bad calls. And I don't want to say tough calls, bad calls. And I think that kind of has to, you know, if Kyle's been told his whole career to be more aggressive and now all of a sudden he can't get – he can't walk and chew gum without getting a foul put on him. That's gotta that's gotta hurt you a little bit. You know, it's gotta kinda put you in a weird zone mentally. But whatever it is, Tennessee needs this to to change because they, they need this guy going forward. Yeah, and, and when you looked at the schedule, I mean, even even during the what the month they spent ranked number one and uh the nineteen straight wins and all that, you knew it was coming against the softer spot of the schedule. Uh I mean the SEC is competitive below the top three but it's not that great it's no. it's kind of average and i think it's taking advantage of a pretty soft bubble uh when you look at ncaa tournament teams but when you looked at playing kentucky twice going to Ole miss going to lsu going to auburn uh, i mean you got to host mississippi state for senior night that's a pretty good team you, you knew there was no gimmies uh and and you knew that you were going to be uh by the time the postseason got here regardless of what your seating was you were going to be pretty calloused in terms of of getting tested late in the season yep. uh, and knowing what kind of team you are. Uh, and I, I think this one uh, specifically against Kentucky on Saturday builds confidence because Kyle did what he's been doing lately, which is get in foul trouble uh, and not play a lot of minutes and not affect the game. And you were still pretty dominant against a really good Kentucky basketball team that's, that's played a lot of good basketball 
uh, in the last month, two months. So uh, even if you can't get him back, uh, you know, that's that, and you got to find a way to live without him. Uh, you make a good point about maybe uh, the SEC quarterfinals or maybe the first round of the NCAA tournament when you can get a, uh, a little bit of a confidence boost back for him because it's going to be a 16 seed or a 15 seed likely. It's It's hard for them to – it's hard for me to imagine them playing their way out of a number one or a number two seed uh, in the NCAA tournament, which is uh, kind of a, a crazy sentence to say when you think about where yeah, they, they'd they have came to, from. They'd have to lose. You'd basically have to go zero and three. Yeah, I mean, I could see a case like if Tennessee loses one this week and then loses its first SEC tournament game, maybe that talk. And then you're maybe like that the knocks you down a little top bit. number three seed, right? I mean, you're, you're probably not probably the, you're not the last. Anyway, long story short, seeding is probably going to work in your favor. It's just a matter of, of where can you try to help this guy and, and when can he get on track, if ever. Uh, if not, you're just going to get used to life without him and, and try to get by as best you can without him. And again, though, when you look at this this, this situation with, with what Kentucky's schedule is, you know, there's been a lot of huffing and puffing there was at times about this Kentucky team this season. But but the bottom line is this Kentucky team is 24-5. and five. Uh, Three of those losses at Alabama by two points. Uh, Seton Hall neutral floor, decent decent team by by one point, bad loss, but just a one point loss. Um, and then the LSU game at the buzzer, you know, when just a really kind of a, a crazy game. But so so that's twenty nine games. Kentucky has played twenty seven games where it has either won or been extremely competitive in a loss. There's only two teams in college basketball that have just absolutely put Kentucky to the sword this season. Uh, Tennessee did it today, and Duke did it early in the season. And those are the two teams that have done that to them. So Tennessee, without Kyle Alexander, can still do some pretty good things. I don't, I don't think it's quite as reliant on him as it was last season defensively, um, because I'll, I'll still think to my dying day that if if he if if Kyle's healthy, I think they go to the Final Four last season, uh, or at least the Elite Eight. I, I just don't. I look at the way that bracket carved out, and Loyola wasn't going to beat him, and, and I don't know that Kansas State or anybody else was either before they got there. So. You know that 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 is what it is, but right now I think Tennessee has some different guys. You know, Bones playing at such a different level now. You know, you've got you've got Grant Williams being an even better version of the really great player he was last season. You know, th- this team can throw some bodies in different lineup combinations at you. It, it can outscore you sometimes. I mean, it, it it has more ways to beat you now, so it doesn't just need Kyle Alexander. But today was the first time that you could say Tennessee has played something close to its best basketball without Kyle Alexander. That is an extremely rare thing. When you look at the course of the past two seasons, when Tennessee's played its best, usually Kyle Alexander is doing some really good things. He's either putting up 10 and 8 or he's, you know, putting up really, really good defensive performances, blocking four or five shots in a game, uh, changing teams' uh, offenses by the way he's closing things at the rim, you know, because the block shot figure doesn't, you know, there needs to be like an affected shots category because he would have even more of those. So affected or affected? <laughs> between that and trying to spell camaraderie, no you, you have run into my two bugaboos in life uh, for journalism. I cannot spell camaraderie without spell check, and I cannot, under any circumstances, get affect or effect right without guessing. And people have explained to me one one's a verb, one's a, and I'm like I I don't care. Listen, listen. Farther and further I can get because farther's the distance. Okay, that that's that that's fine. I get that. Effect and effect, another thing. But bottom line, this is the first time I think that Tennessee has played something resembling its best basketball 
while getting a dud from Kyle Alexander. So I think that that's a good sign maybe, but that doesn't change the fact that this team is a lot better when Kyle Alexander's playing the way he can play. And kid just needs a break, man. Kid just needs kid just needs a break. I, I couldn't spell guarantee if you gave me a Jeopardy board and only two letters missing. What do you do, guarantee? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just stupid. We're not that dumb. And the uh, the only one I do know uh, while we're talking grammar is further and farther. That's the only thing I know. Because farther's a physical distance. Right. That's my wheelhouse. Outside but of that. Effect and effect. Nope. I'm done. And, and you know, because sometimes you need the word camaraderie in a story. I try to write around it. Google is your friend. But sometimes you need it. I'm like, come on, spell check, save the day. But yeah, I mean, listen, we've all got our things. That's that's one of mine. And next week when you're listening to this podcast, you will hear, not only will you hear Crime Dog barking and Maximus doing whatever noises it is cats make, you also will hear Wrigley, my parents' dog, who will be here. And let me tell you, that guy is about the angriest little eight pound ball of dog you have ever seen in your life and uh he is a yipper so i don't know what we're gonna do with with that guy while we're doing this just give him a microphone put some headphones on him let's go because i was told that, that this whole construction project should be wrapped up by next friday here at the house so uh, i don't know that i 100 percent believe that because my father's a contractor and let me tell you schedules were made to be busted <laughs> but I, I think that they they were pretty confident about this they said the floors are coming in monday Okay, floors are coming in Monday, and then, then they just got to put they got to paint because they've done all the, the boards and the ceilings and the crown molding and all that stuff. So now they just got to put down the new floors and paint. And so hopefully, hopefully, by the time we we get this back to you next week, we will be in a in a better place. Okay, is there anything we left out? I feel like there was something because we usually when we're you know we'll, we'll either write down a podcast or talk about what we're going to do. This time we just kind of turn the game or turn the, the the thing on and start talking. Is there anything? Of interest, anything of note? Uh, it's kind of crazy sitting here. They've played twenty nine games. They've won twenty six of them. They're fourteen and two in the SEC. It felt like the last the sky was falling for the last two weeks, uh, based on the way they play. But man, if if you can't enjoy this, if you're a Tennessee fan, you can't enjoy this Tennessee basketball season. I don't think you're ever going to enjoy a Tennessee basketball season. Yeah, they've already won more SEC games than they did last season when they won the league at thirteen and five. I mean, they've already matched their win total from a year ago, which was twenty six and nine, I believe, what, uh, at that, the close of business. And that was a really good quote by Admiral Schofield after the game at Ole Miss, where he came out there and he said, "You know what, guys? He goes, listen, could we have played better? Yeah, we could have played better." He goes, "But you know what? We lost two games, and people thought that the world was ending." And I'm sitting there laughing, thinking. Didn't we lose like 19 games a couple years ago? Like lost 35 his first two seasons. Now I could see if someone was reading into that the wrong way, they would say, "Oh, does he even want to win a championship?" No, that, I don't think that was the point. I think the point was this team is not lacking confidence. This team, I think, has enough experience and has been to some of these games before. And this team, you know, other than that Kentucky game, they've never really panicked against Ole Miss when they got down. They didn't panic. You know, you kind of wondered if they were just getting pushed around a little bit because they didn't care, but they just kind of go about their business and they feel like they're going to be there when it matters. And you know what? I I see no reason other than a flukish NCAA tournament game that just goes haywire why that won't happen. I you, just, you, you, just, you look down at the bracket, you look down at some of the other teams in college basketball, and you say on a neutral floor, really, is Tennessee going to lose to one of these teams? Or You know, early on, I just <laughs> – it's hard for me to see that. I mean, you know, UMBC beat Virginia last season. Anything can happen, right? Right. 
But I just I don't know that I see that with this team. I think this team is is pretty special, and I think Grant said it pretty accurately there. If uh, if you're a Tennessee basketball fan and uh, you're not enjoying this, I don't know that you're ever really gonna enjoy Tennessee basketball because I'm here to tell you right now, guys. I don't care who you are. Twenty six and three is a hell of a season so far. I don't. If you're Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, that's a hell of a season still. And that was a special environment. Uh, Saturday. Yes, it was probably as it full. It was basically capacity like thirty minutes before tip off. Yeah, and you had students camping out. When are we? Do we have to come up with a name for that? Like, is it going to be like you know you got the Shashevskyville at Duke? Is this going to be like? Is it going to be Barnesburg, Barn Barnesville, Barnstown? Ricky will name it something after a, a city in the Bible. You know, Hickory, Hickory, Ricky Town. I don't know. We're gonna have to come. Yeah, that's true. They probably would, and then you would have some groups getting very, very angry about that, because uh, that's that's what goes on these days. We've really went down a path here. No, we didn't. I mean, maybe we kind of did a little bit, but that's all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. Apologies. We thought later in the week that we would just kind of wait until after the Tennessee Kentucky game and then bring you a podcast there because it, you're going to be able to have a few more days to listen to it, and it worked out because now you're probably going to want to hear about this game. So. Uh, But we'll be back next week on schedule, on schedule. We should have a football podcast with spring practice starting, by the way. I know, right? I just got a cold chill. People are going to get so mad at me for saying that. But I say every time I look at that, I go, oh, God. But spring football begins this week. Uh, Or next week, I guess I should say, with Thursday practice. And then, you know, hey, we'll have some Tennessee baseball to talk about. Those guys are still undefeated right now. Got the lowest ERA in the country. So we'll have plenty of things to discuss. But I think – I might be wrong, but I think right now um, this is this is a lot of Tennessee basketball talk. You go around town, that's the discussions you're getting right now. That's just, that's just the way it is right now. So thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WestRucker247. Grant Ramey is on Twitter at Grant Ramey. Patrick Brown's on Twitter at pbrown247. Ryan Callahan's on Twitter at ryancallahan247. And you can get all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, just go to govals247.com. We have always got good specials going on. You can always get, you know, a pretty good free trial to get to give us a shout there on the site. And, and that site is basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week of conversations like this one. So if you like this stuff, you are going to like that website. And we have a lot of free stuff and we have a lot of VIP stuff. So whether you want to pay for it or whether you just want to come by and read, we got plenty of stuff for both of you. So uh, with that, I think we're out of here. Grant, you got any final thoughts? I got nothing.